fell asleep and ate the flowers For a couple of hours On a beautiful day Welcome back to another episode of Not All at Once. I'm Jordan Guess. Hello, I'm Kendall Y. Kendall, it's a Thursday. We always have to, I would love how we give it the timestamp. You know, like Eric Townsend gives it so like, it's always in such a nice format. We're always just like, it's Thursday, December 8th, 9, it's 9 a.m., 10 mm. minutes after after 9 a.m. So Yeah, uh, it's important context. It is. It is because the world is changing so quickly. So, all right. Well, we've got a few things we could talk about today. Um, kick us off. Gonna, to kick us yeah, off, Jordan's going to tell us off. about Nash Bid Devs. He went to Mash, Nash Bid Devs. Tell, tell me about that, Jordan. Dude, I was so out of place at Nash Bid Devs, but I'm so glad I went. Th- this is actually a really funny, <laughs> this is such a funny story. So, you know, I guess about a month ago, I figure I'll go to Nashville. I've only been to one of their meetups. Oh, Nash Bit Devs. That sounds kind of cool. And I figured either I'd go alone or potentially you'd come with me. Um, and I was like, okay, so it'll be fine. Even if they talk about some de- developer stuff, like, yeah, it might be over my head, but maybe Kindle will understand it or if not, whatever. But then what happened was just over time, how I am. I just started inviting people and like, Hey, you should come, you should come, you should come. And I ended up recruiting three non-technical non-Bitcoiners <laughs> to come to the Nash bit devs. So that's the first funny story is that it was my brother, my middle brother, my dad, and a friend of mine, Mike Vance, who is, he's a tinkerer with like no code, um, you know, solutions, but he's not, you know, he's, he's not a developer. He would admit that. So just four non-technical guys walking in. So we walk in and there's this raffle going on at the very beginning where you had to guess this eight character like hash thing. And they were going to use that to pretty much draw two names uh, for, for a couple prizes. And literally we sit down and my middle brother, Dylan is one of the winners <laughs> of a tap signer by cold, I guess by coin kite. Um, so that was, that nice. was really funny. That's funny. He ended up getting, giving that to me because he was like, I don't know what this is. Um, but yeah, they talked, uh, about some projects that people were working on. Uh, thankfully I had actually caught Matt Odell's latest podcast, um, where he was talking about this new lightning, um, node that you can run on your phone. Um, it's all very new. Um, but so I kind of knew what they were talking about with that. Um, and yeah, they were just talking about a lot of like stuff with lightning and with the Bitcoin stuff. One guy did ask, he was sitting in the back with us and he was like, what is like, how do you run your own lightning node? Which I was, I was glad he asked that question because I know I run a Bitcoin node, but I'm pretty sure I don't run a lightning node. Um, and so the lightning node to me seems a little out of reach. Um, so anyways, this tool, I can't remember what it's called. I'll have to look it up real fast. Um, <clears throat> that was cool that you could mm-hmm. be running a lightning node on your own phone or just in any browser was the, was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, that's interesting. So, so bit devs are usually pretty technical. So they they went through like technical things, which probably all went over over your all heads. Or how did that work? Yeah, there was a lot of banter um, that was over our heads. How many people? How many people were there? Um, just so everyone knows, what I was talking about that lightning thing was called Mutiny Wallet. Um, there's about yeah, but there's about fifty people. Okay, that's a good amount. Yeah. Like I went so, to I went to the the bit devs in Austin, Texas mm. in like 2021. <clears throat> and uh there's probably probably a hundred people there. So 50 okay. people, 50 people, that's pretty good. Yeah. So and it was a busy week. Well, it is a busy week in Nashville for Bitcoin Park. So that was Tuesday night. Yes, or last night they had the regular meetup, which is the one I should have gone to. Uh, <laughs> but and then tonight they have um, this like beef beef initiative thing where they're hosting. Well, I don't know if they're hosting it, but I guess Matt O'Dell is doing um, some Bitcoin talk at a at a um, cattleman get together kind of thing. So. And then Marty, Marty, your favorite, he's in town. He's in Nashville from uh, from Austin, Texas. So I think they were going to record Rabbit Hole Recap in, in Nashville. So I was kind of, I really wanted to just stay in Nashville for the rest of the week, but I also missed, I missed my family and um, my wife. I mean, obviously it was with some family. So, so I came on home, but put all, all of, okay. So the coolest part about the whole thing was, you know, the other three with me don't understand anything about Bitcoin, not Bitcoiners. Dylan, my brother, when we were walking in, <clears throat> he was like, so I like shouldn't meme any of these people, right? Like I shouldn't, you know, make fun or make jokes. I was like, I mean, I don't think you should. <laughs> um, so, but then what was cool. So we get in there and in Bitcoin Park, you know, they have some drinks. You can get coffee you can get soda water or beer or whatever. So my dad and brother both wanted um, a drink. And so I showed them on the iPad. You just, there's no one manning the iPad. You know, it's just like a um, system where you do it. A kiosk. Yeah. Self-serve kind of. Yeah. Kiosk. Okay. So, so you just, they had a little listing of the pricing. You plug in the pricing. So, and then it created a lightning, a lightning invoice. So I pulled out my moon wallet. And the payment happened in a second, one second. And um, that was, I think that was cool for them to see um, how quickly the transfer of, of Bitcoin on Lightning happened. Um, we got, got into that a little bit further after the meetup. So we do the meetup. Afterwards, we go to a cocktail bar. And um. My brother, I actually saw my brother again last night for my sister's birthday. A lot of family stuff this week. But um, so he told me, he told me last night, he was like, at that cocktail bar, I learned more about Bitcoin than I've ever known. Um, like we talked about a lot of just basic stuff. But I think the main oh, takeaway cool. for me super was cool. people, yeah, was people seeing people seeing the technology rather than hearing about it is what's mm -hmm. is what's important. Mm -hmm. So I had my dad and my brother both download the moon wallet while we were sitting there and I sent them both Satoshi's over the lightning network. 
Um, and they were able to see how quickly they came in and we were just able to play around a little bit. Like last night we were showing my grandpa, my grandpa was there. So Dylan was like, yeah, Papa, let me show you. I'll send, I'll send Jordan some Satoshi's back that he sent to me. And he, and he was able to see how quickly. So I think the, the more people are seeing it, which I know is a lot of, a lot of that's happening in like El Salvador and stuff. But I think once people see it, they're like, Oh wow, that's crazy. Cause normally Either you'd have to pay a pretty high fee to get it instantly, like on Venmo, or you have to wait a day or two for it to actually hit your bank. And this all happened just in a second without any trusted third party. So, well, I guess on the Lightning, it's a little bit different, but you you get the point. So, mm-hmm. so are you going to run your own Lightning node now? I'd love to. I'd love to uh, try to figure that out. Um, so... Because I have like a Raspberry Pi 4, I think, and that's what I'm running a Bitcoin node on. But is, and maybe we talk about this off air, but my understanding is that do you run it? It has to be a different computer or can it also be running off of a Bitcoin node? Yeah, so you can run it on the same computer. In fact, in order to run a Lightning node, you have to run a Bitcoin node. Gotcha. It runs, okay. I think, but it might it might be running one. Like if you run, depending on which Lightning technology you use, it may or may not be using your existing Bitcoin node. It may like run its own internal Bitcoin node. Um, but but yeah, it's just a computer program, so you can run it on any computer. And um, I think it. I've actually never done it, but I know sort of how it works. The um, it is more. You're probably not gonna do it long term. You probably you might play around with it, and that'd be cool. But you have to actually manage your liquidity, so you have this. You have right. to like constantly be figuring out what channels you have open how much liquidity you have in those channels do you need to add more liquidity do you need to take some liquidity out these types of things you know yeah but it is cool you can actually earn yield i mean that's how people earn yield on their bitcoin is they they run a routing node yeah where they're actually performing a service and earning yield that's right yeah productive productive yield yeah yeah so so that, that was that. And then the other piece I've been working on for about two weeks now, and I'm still, I'm getting closer. Um, I'm working with Armin the Parman, if anyone knows him on Twitter. He's uh, quite the quite the funny personality, but he's a Bitcoiner. He teaches people about self, you know, self uh, custody and stuff like that. So, but I've been working with him recently to get me set up to be able to accept a Bitcoin in return for my CPA services. So that's just about ready. So, and I snagged a fun little domain because we're hosting it on a different domain, btc-cpa.net. So people would be able to go there and pay their pay invoices um, using Bitcoin. I don't think using Lightning because it's all hooked up just to a BTC pay server that that is hooked up to my Bitcoin node. Um but anyways, that's been that's been also kind of kind of fun, and we'll see if anybody. I know there'll be a, a few people who take me up on it who are just already Bitcoiners, and we'll have fun with it <clears throat> in tax mm. season. But, um, but yeah, we'll see because I'm gonna I need to figure out how much discount because I said I remember I was at a Lexington meetup and I was telling those guys I was gonna offer like a ten percent discount or something like that for paying me in Bitcoin. And those guys were like, oh, dude, I give 
I I give a, a bigger discount. Like some of them were saying like 25. There's one guy who said sometimes he even gives a 50% discount if it's in Bitcoin. Damn, like, you're trying to trying to work for free. What's his deal? That's crazy. I guess he's that <laughs> bullish. You gotta gotta <laughs> put food on the table, man. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I'll probably land somewhere probably in like the 15% range and just kind of try it out. Um but yeah, but yeah, that that'll be fun. So trying to, you know, trying to actually build alternative rails myself and my own business. And um we'll see where everything goes. So but yeah, those are the first two things. Okay. So. Cool. Very cool. What else we got on the on the uh on the chopping block? I think um you want to talk about this concept that's floating around. Uh People think some people are saying that World War Three has effectively already started. Mm-hmm. I think that's a interesting topic to to explore. So yeah, let's second. jump into that. I can give some some commentary here. Yeah. You know so, well, real quick on the so like I was when I was driving over to my my uh, makeshift studio this morning, I was listening to NPR as I do every every blue moon, and they were talking about a coup that happened in an attempted coup that happened in Germany sometime this week, I guess, um, where it sounded very similar to like a January 6th type event, which I think is why NPR was covering it. Um, but between that and then I was getting notifications on my phone yesterday throughout, throughout like the afternoon about in Peru, essentially the government, the Congress was trying to impeach the president at the same time while the president was trying to dissolve the Congress um in peru and so and then raven and i were talking a little i brought this up to her a little bit on our walk last night where i was just kind of talking about how all of these things are happening you know at one at one time russia ukraine the china us pretty much everyone's backed into their own corners it feels like but i didn't have an i didn't have a ton of i wasn't able to go too deep with her so i was like maybe i'll maybe i'll see if kindle wants to go down this rabbit hole with me so Give me your thoughts, Kendall, with that setup, that turmoil happening even this this week. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the um the two coups. I didn't even know about the Germany one until you just mentioned yeah. it. But yeah, I, I do see what you're saying. I mean, they're the Bloomberg headline is Germany just averted its own January sixth and maybe fourth Reich. Wow, that's intense. Um, well, they were trying to go back to a second, the second Reich, which is was essentially they wanted to go back to like the monarchy, which is how the NPR reporters were explaining it. So it wasn't like a Nazi, like that would have been the third Reich. So they were trying to go back to like a more monarchy mm, style of government. Gotcha. The Nazis were the third Reich. Okay. Just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we should talk about the Kanye stuff too. We can, yeah. <laughs> that was actually that's a good segue right there. We should, well, we'll save that for later. Um, God, what garbage! Um, yeah, I mean, so civil unrest all over the world. Yeah, the Peru one was like the guy got elected, and then like two hours later, he was like behind bars or something, or like I don't know the exact details, but it all happened very quickly. Yeah um yeah so i, I mean, guess the question is kendall are we are we in the third world war already and 
most people just don't know it yet um i don't know i mean it probably just depends it's semantics how do you define world war i do yeah. think that we're in a great power struggle i think all the great powers are at each other's throats that includes the u.s china russia western europe i kind of think of western europe as a single entity in this particular regard um it's interesting that there's nobody from south america in that um in that group but um certainly there's a certainly there's a big power struggle going on and ultimately i think it's a matter of hmm so i have this new thesis i've been reading a book okay uh, i didn't know if i wanted to go here but i'll go here so there's a book called the revolt of the public which was recommended to me by somebody and uh it is blowing my mind i mean it is like i'm like holy shit this is there's a lot of truth to this there's a lot of truth and the general thesis is all around uh it's sort of molded around this information age that we're in mm. so he starts out the book by talking about just the history of information and if you think about the history of information you have like cave paintings then you had like language on like stone tablets like written stone tablets then you had written language on things like papyrus then you had the printing press that was the big one yeah and then and then you have the telephone and then you have uh uh like mass media so you have like uh the major news channels visual so television information and then starting around 2000 you of course you have the internet and um so you have this sort of like cambrian explosion of information that is that, that lit up around the year 2000 the stat that they give is that there was more information created in the year 2000 than there was all of the previous history combined. Wow. And then there was more information in 2002 than there was in 2001. Um, so, and he did, he, he frames it as a wave. It's like a tidal wave, um, which I think is very, is very interesting. So, and the, the, it's, it's very like a saw, it's sort of like a sovereign individual thesis. You've read the sovereign individual, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, in that, the overarching thesis is that we effectively have these institutions and these governments and these these governing structures. Um, let's call it that, uh, or I think he calls it authority. So we have, and it's not just government. <clears throat> it can also be corporate authority. <clears throat> it can also be cultural authority, and it can be like you know arts, science, science authority. That's a big one he talks about. Obviously, you no. Know, trust the science um so he talks about all of these authorities and how they're fundamentally not set up to to be able to operate under this information tidal wave and it's called the revolt of the public because it's effectively it's effectively what you and me are doing in this moment which is like a style of like citizen journal journalism right mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's like me and you are just normal guys. We have day jobs and, but we create this content. Some people listen to it, not a lot of people, but uh, because they kind of want to be like informed about like some of the things that we're seeing. Right. So it's mm-hmm. a very like peer to peer style of, you know, like information or communication network. Um, and, and yeah, like the authority, the authority structures are not set up to deal with that. So like one example he gives is that, um, I'm only on chapter three, but in chapter two, he talks about Iran or Iran and in the, the early two thousands, there was a big explosion of bloggers and particularly there's a lot of bloggers in Iran and, um, that was no, not good, right? Because these bloggers were effectively speaking truth to power and Iran is a autocratic nation. And so they threw a bunch of these bloggers in jail and like, um, he, the way he describes it is so amazing because it's like, it's like, um, <clears throat> if you're, if you really take a minute and try to empathize with, the. Uh, the leader of Iran. I don't know what he is like King or something. If you, if you just take a moment and empathize with his position from his standpoint, he was behaving. He he saw these, this sort of citizen journalism as, as a fundamental threat to order. Right. So he, he was actually trying to instill peace, right? Mm-hmm. Like from his, from his standpoint, he's like, these people were, are, creating chaos and they are causing all sorts of uh, havoc and we need order and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna suppress their free speech right and uh so you can you can see how like and that's true i literally just saw preston this morning tweeted out a um tweeted out a video of larry fink did you see this Larry Larry Fink was on an interview and his words are markets don't like uncertainty. Markets actually like totalitarian governments. (laughs) I was like, like, oh, this is so prescient. Um, Because so here you have Larry Fink who manages one of the largest pools of capital in the world. He is effectively an autocrat. That's what he is. And he's telling you that you know, he's using the word, he's using, he's trying to make a blanket statement that markets like autocrats, but really he's talking, he's, he's doing what everybody does, which I've talked about numerous times. Everybody everywhere is always talking their own bags. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a hard, hard truth to swallow, but it is true. And um, so he's, he's speaking from his perspective, from his perspective, he is an autocrat and he's saying like, yeah. Uh, my particular market does like autocrats and how can you argue with him because he, he controls the largest pool of capital in the world or one of them yeah so anyway yeah world war three i think it's all predicated on this fundamental dynamic that um the information age is it's like i mean it's like the wild west i mean it really is yeah. like the wild west you know it's making the power struggle very complicated whereas it used to be very simple in terms of like sovereigns u.s was the most powerful china was a rising power 
you know, Europe, I feel like Europe is, at least for our lifetime, Europe has always been this kind of like weak middle child that, you know, has some qualities, but is, you know, not, not the best at anything, I guess, kind of thing. So, and then we've always, and then we've had turmoil in the Middle East with, with all the conflicts there. So, but I feel like now things are just being so decentralized where the U.S. is still a power, but it's, it looks a lot different, I guess. And then we just don't have, with our power going down, we don't have as much leverage um, in negotiating with other countries. Like, the, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, or maybe I did, um, where Xi Jinping is is visiting with the uh, with the Saudi prince, um, like right now. And, you know, Joe Biden was just there, uh, I think, earlier this year. And so it's it's essentially, does the reputation of the United States hold up and essentially give us more leeway in in Saudi Arabia? Or, or is China going to be able to come in and say, hey, we want to make more investments and we want to be do this like from a transactional standpoint? And then they have more leeway. And all of a sudden, the, at least the power in this one um in this one area that just so happens to be the largest exporter of oil um or one of the largest exporters of oil in the whole world all of a sudden our adversary has more leeway there than we do and what and how are we going to react to that do we do anything or do we just kind of like okay that's one that we put in the loss column kind of thing so yeah if you I mean, we're living in the the start of the age of isolationism, like the age of deglobalization. And if you if you frame that through this lens of like the revolt of the public, I totally get it. I totally understand why we're like, dude, you guys, you're gonna have to do your own thing because we gotta take care of our own thing. Um, like it's a matter of priorities, right? Because you see, so you see this in the U.S. Even you see the revolt of the public in the U.S. January sixth, Black Lives Matters. It's a number. I mean, there's like a lot of, of examples, even on our own, on our own, uh, our own, our own soil here. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> we, we ourselves have to figure out how this works. And um, I think that part of what, part of what like American foreign policy has been over the, since World War II has been to, and I, 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 like from a like like I believe it was a genuine obviously there's bad behavior in there, but I do think that genuinely the 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 foreign policy was to like add structure to to a lot of places around the world because I think that Americans kind of live in a little bit of, of a bubble and they don't realize I, I I definitely can see like people on the left thinking in this this capacity, which is that they think that these foreign powers have governing systems. Sure. They may not be democracies. They may be different than ours, but they do have a governing system. And the truth is a lot of these places are effectively lawless. They don't have sure. They have like governing bodies and documents or whatever, but there are no rules They, you know, they can do whatever they want. They are effectively ruled by a bunch of thugs and cartels and mafias and you can understand if that's the truth that you can understand why the cia or 
you know, various special interests in DC would want to, you know, create coups and like try to instill some sort of structure. But I think that, I think that what the powers of B have, have come to realize is that, look, we, we gotta, we have those problems on our own soil now. And so mm-hmm. we got to take, you know, like, it's like on the airplane, you got to put your mask on first over yourself, right? Take yeah. care of your, take care of yourself first, and then you can take care of other people. Um, so, hmm. yeah. Yeah. We'll have to keep diving into it. Cause I think it's just something that time is going to have to continue to tell us the story. Obviously we're not in the, we're not in national security meetings, um, <laughs> in our country and stuff like that, you know? Um, it just seems, it seems to the naked eye that a lot of things are happening all at once. Um, even right now. And it's hard, it's hard to piece it all together right now. Like when you're in the whirlwind, it's hard to be able to take a step back and piece Mm. it all together. But yeah, it's supposed to be not all at once. Okay. Mm. Not not all. Yes. Yes. Um, what the heck? I want to say something else too about this matter. I think that um, like the framing that the World War III currently is is happening, I can see a compelling a compelling case for. And it goes something like this. World War One was about land power, tanks, trenches, machine guns. World War Two was about air power is really about whoever had the best air force and navy navy is a big thing with air power um so world war ii is about air power so then like okay so we see this common trend so then what would world war three be about well part of it would be about space right so and i guarantee like so i'm talking like satellites right so low earth orbit to i don't know higher earth orbit um certainly there have been incidents that we don't know about in orbit i bet elon musk knows isn't that interesting (laughs) um where governments have effectively i wouldn't be surprised to, to hear that we have been attacked in space already by one of the other major powers okay let's put it that way um so i think that's part of it but I think that even framing it as a space power is nonsensical. I think we're in an information war, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like Alex Jones's thing is called infowars.com and it's so messed up. <laughs> Kindle, just admit on air right now <laughs> that you are a longtime InfoWars subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, Oh, I had a thought. What was my thought? I don't know if you can actually frame it as an information war, but it is an, it is like a war of ideas and, and those, and those ideas sort of like how the the cold war was, right. It's like communist versus um, democracy, socialism versus capitalism. And those are the, the ideas. And then you have like sort of hot, where they call them like hot battles in Korea or Vietnam or a lot of different places. Um, so I think similar dynamic going on here in that the, this is 
broadly a a war of ideas and we have physical instantiations of those things um yeah but the distribution i think the thing that's different between definitely between now <clears throat> and world war ii it's the distribution of information is so much broader you know people even americans back then didn't exactly know all the things that were going on because all they had were the papers right i mean i think world war ii i guess maybe there was like an abc nbc was there mm -hmm. yeah so there was, they there had a little Times. bit of news yeah but definitely nothing compared to nothing compared to what we have now where you could follow you could follow a journalist on twitter and that person is on the ground in Afghanistan and they're posting live updates of what is happening. Um, take the, you know, the American pullout. Um, they're posting live updates of what's going on in the airport. And, oh, there was just a bombing that killed 10 servicemen. Like you're knowing that stuff one in real time. And it's like, I see it on a video that someone took that was there that posted it five minutes later. So there's that piece. And we weren't nearly as globalized of an economy back in the world in World War II. So I think that's the biggest catalyst right now is that there are just there's so much intertwining of, hey, we depend on you, country A, B, or C for all these resources. And so, and we've been all been very peaceful with each other for the past 50 years, uh, more or less. And so now it's this it's not just like oh we're at war with each other it's everyone knows everything or is at least able to know a lot more things and able to know a lot of false things through the through the internet and there's all these dependencies where we've we've grown our economy because of competitive advantage where you do something better so we trade something we do better with what you do better and i I think that's where it gets really tricky, right? Where if all those things start to unravel, then you also start to see social upheaval because the economies are are having to like shrink because globalization is crumbling kind of thing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can force civil unrest on your enemy by starving them, basically. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing with like TikTok and countries trying to get really creative to create havoc in other countries, like potentially China or Russia potentially have tried to do in the United States. Um, so, hmm. yeah. Well, what's the solution? Yeah, I think it's just, what's the solution? The solu I don't, I mean, the, to me, there's not a great solution. Yeah. To me, there. There is so much going on um, that it's it's hard to like, it's hard to understand where to go next because you're not just talking about like your own local community. You're talking about millions and millions and millions of people trying to like get their attention, you know, and either say, hey, we're all in this together as Americans. That's very difficult to do because everyone's, no one even trusts their neighbor. Um, 
So like it's very difficult, I guess, is what I'm trying to say to repair trust in institutions and in, and if you don't even trust your neighbor kind of thing, like that is just a fundamental issue that it takes, it will take decades, I think, to solve and a lot of turmoil in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what this revolt of the public's guys consensus is too, is that so after the printing press, there was the 30 years war and apparently the 30 years war was one of the worst wars in history. It like wiped out a, a large fraction of the entire continent of Europe. The war did. Right. Mm. And at the, at the time, if you were to ask like, you know, the leaders or every, even people like normal people, they'd be like, what are you, what are your opinions on the printing press? You know, like, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? They would have all, almost all of them said like, this is clearly a terrible thing. Like it causes 30 years war and like it's all this craziness. But of course, long-term we can see how we can see how the printing press was a great thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think that the solution is one that nobody wants to hear, which is that people are going to have to learn. Okay. You're going to have to learn. <laughs> You're going to learn today. Okay. <laughs> Uh, because here's the thing. I don't think that, I think solving local governance is trivial. I think it's easy to do. It's easy to establish trust with your neighbor and work things out. Yeah. And we already have a lot of history to figure out how to do that. I think solving global trust or global governance is effectively an unsolved problem today. And there is no solution and there may never be a solution. Okay. Let's just be real. So, and then of course there's all sorts of, there, there's a lot large middle area there, right? So you have like state level power, country level power, international power. Um. So, but the thing is, so basically I think the solution is a return to localization, which mm. I've promoted many times. I really think that's mm -hmm. the solution. But the thing is, is that, it can't be a return to localization or it won't be, I won't, I won't even say it can't, it will not be a return to localization sort of by through enforcement. You cannot enforce people to like, you can't block off the information stream to that protest happening in Tehran and be like, Jordan, you are no longer allowed to see that. You're not going to be okay with that. You're going to be like, well, so you're suppressing my right to, to like freedom of speech effectively. And so you can't, you just can't do that through enforcement. It has to be that people genuinely think to themselves, I don't even want to hear what's going on in Tehran today. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's the learning part, right? It's like you have to train that sort of emotional part of your brain. Cause we live in this like world of like excessive dopamine hits where we're all just like constantly browsing Twitter and like, you know, all this, all this nonsense, all this garbage. And uh, yeah. you have to like train individuals. And I think that it's one of those things that is so difficult to train. It literally takes generations effectively dying off. I don't think mm -hmm. that we can train the baby boomers to do that. It's not something that is, I don't think that it's possible to do that. Um, I think you can maybe train our generation, maybe certainly the generation beneath us, well, not, I don't know, Gen Z, I got my problems with, but, um, but our kids, I actually am quite bullish on, I think the, you know, obviously this is bias and me projecting my own, my own 
uh, position. But I think that our kids' generation will be the next great generation because yeah. they're going to be well positioned to 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 work in that world. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think one thing that would really help. <clears throat> And I think this is this is a Bitcoin. This is gonna be a Bitcoin comment, but just transparency in the in the financial markets and transparency in the monetary policy. Totally, uh, totally. I've been thinking about this. I think there's a general a general trend here, a general like fundamental thing, which is that financial and economic matters at a large scale should be transparent. It should be public. And then at a small scale, they should be private. So me as a citizen, as an individual, I should be able to transact with anybody, anytime, any place. No problem. Mm -hmm. Nobody should know that I did that. But if I'm a part of like a, a government or some sort of authority, it could be a corporation, it could be like retirement fund, and they are moving funds around, then that has to be a transparent thing. But the, the problem with that is it's not, I think that's like the general trend the problem with that is it's not that simple because then you get into that's effectively the world of big power struggles that we're in right now which is that basically you have like the economic well-being of the united states versus the economic well-being of the chinese citizens and we're all yeah. at odds because of that right and that's not the only reason but that's one of the reasons right and that transparency can definitely be exploited that was um, my point sorry yeah that was yeah. my point which is that yeah, by you, bad actors if, if you're if you're transparent, then they can just exploit. It's a prisoner's dilemma problem. Yeah, it's almost like you have to get everyone to the table, everyone to agree. Um, we're all going to be transparent, so that then the world would be able to see if you were trying to exploit exploit someone else's transparency. They would see that through your own transparency. So see, what's, what's funny about that that line of thinking is that. It's very not, that's very not libertarian. You see, you see what I mean? That's actually very Marxist. It's very much like, now I'm not saying, I don't know. I'm not like a philosophy professional, but, but mm -hmm. you're, you're just saying that like, if everybody in the public square is, is, is transparent, then that's a good thing. You see? So. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, Yeah. I definitely want to make sure I say privacy is very important to the individual. Right. Um, yeah, but I think I just, I think that's going to be the question of our age is how do we make trust go back up? Um, and I think there's going to have to be probably, you know, a number of strategies that are tried and it's really going to have to start it might, I mean, maybe it can start with a grassroots type of, um, type of movement, but for it to really be effective, you would really need countries coming out and saying, our platform is to build trust back. We understand that trust has been demolished for all the reasons, you know, there's so many reasons, right? Why people don't trust institutions anymore. 100%, man. 100%. I totally yeah. agree that trust is extremely valuable and and that's why like i i sort of pick a pick a bone with a lot of the crypto industry with their like sort of like obsession fixation 
I could use other words, but I'll keep it PG with, uh, with like being trustless, right? Like mm -hmm. we need everything to be trustless. Code is law. Especially this, it's like this biology. It's, it's a, it's a strong man argument from Silicon Valley elites. <laughs> that's my, that's my perspective mm. that like everything should just be ones and zeros. Everything should be black and white and just trust the code or you don't have to trust anything. Just code is law. Like, Reality, well, even that breaks down because reality when you doesn't are, work like that you know like it's not, that's not the yeah. way the world works well how many people if you if you really wanted to be in this trustless like utopia how many people are actually checking the code for <laughs> applications that they download to their to their computer or to totally. their phone totally. to check that the code has not been um you know uh what's tampered the word with. you know mess tampered, tampered with yeah. yeah where they just downloaded the a different application than what they mm. thought Nobody is no. checking the code. I don't even know how to check the code. You have no idea. You don't even know. I bet you don't even know what this word is. Do you know what a checksum is? No. <laughs> yeah. See, so a checksum. So it may you may even be in a situation where somebody intercepts your download stream and gives you a Bitcoin core like like application to your computer, except mm -hmm. It's it's Bitcoin core with a slight manipulation on their end. So it's yeah. like even if you even if you can read the Bitcoin core code, you still have to use this checksum thing, which is that you have to be able to verify that the code in the remote repository is exactly what you're executing as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, like it's just which, a what point zero zero one percent of the even oh. I guess of the American population could do that. Like, yeah. And I have never done that. I've never done that a single time <laughs> as a software engineer. Not Maybe once. Less. Not <laughs> once. Because it's so everyone's trusting a third party every time that they download anything. Yeah. Now, even you, if you think that it's trusted, it could be, it could have been um, tampered with by a bad actor. Yeah. The thing that people should trust um, is the incentive systems. Right. That's where you get into the world of, of like a little bit of like a political game theory type of world. And as long as you know that, that, um, like the incentive system of the system you're participating in is the optimal incentive system relative to other ones, then yeah, you still have to trust the code, but you have to trust the code both places. At least this way, you know that you have an optimal incentive system. Right. It's like choosing, it's like often, life is just choosing the least worst option right yeah. and that's yeah. where it is yeah okay real quick before we get to kanye i wanted to just bring up the chat gbt oh yeah GPT. i wanted to talk about this too yeah yeah give me your thoughts what do you what do you think have you tried it well i've tried it just briefly i haven't really tried it that much honestly um but i have seen a lot of a lot of uh examples on on twitter it's very interesting. I mean, I think that my initial thoughts with you with the chat GPT, they need a different name, man. Wow. That's a terrible name. Uh, the initial thoughts are Google is largely obsolete. Google search is largely obsolete um, because you can get an immediate answer to like a semantic answer that you can that you can understand and you can read right away. And mm -hmm. is it right? I don't know. Right enough. Okay, good enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so that's that. I mean, I do see a lot of um. There's like a new, 
a new emerging discourse around the dangers of artificial general intelligence. And uh, I think that's all bunch of bullshit, basically. Uh, I think that that's, I don't know, there's like this weird trajectory everybody goes on in their tech journey. And that's always part, that's always like one of the steps where they're like, oh, but what if the machine becomes sentient and intelligent? <laughs> like, bro, relax. Okay. <laughs> My God. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere close to that. I think that it's basically just good at regurgitating things that it's already read. Mm-hmm. It doesn't well, some have of it's interesting. Like I was listening to a podcast yesterday where like it says that it's it says that it's completely um unbiased when it comes to political speech. But then if you ask it certain things, it spits back like Silicon Valley, you know, type of rhetoric. Like if you ask it why is why is why should abortion be banned? Um it'll it'll come back it'll come back with essentially saying why abortion actually is a good thing mm. but if you ask it should i vote republican it's it says i'm i don't get into politics you know i'm right i don't right. get into politics but in certain on certain issues if you ask it about it it did the same thing with gay marriage like it won't it will spit you back like more or less like propaganda from one side from just one perspective right whereas on google you can find different perspectives especially given how you search things right you can find things that are for and against all kinds of topics right so that's the other thing that's kind of interesting is how much of these ai tools are actually unbiased or are they being used as just ways to make sure that um group think continues to prevail in our society kind of thing and not presenting um, other sides of the opinion. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's always, because it's just trained on the data that it has. And if the data is biased, then it's going to be biased. Um, Is there, would there be a way though for someone to go in and essentially like hard code for certain topics that it Yeah, they already already do that. They do that because they, they take out, you can't, it doesn't use like curse words or any sort of like inflammatory language. So, so yeah, totally. There's probably no sexual language would be my guess. Yeah. So the big question though, is are we a, is this an AI generated podcast right now? (laughs) Are you real? So I think what's interesting on this topic um because there's also like the it's a similar thing with like the art we've seen like the art that's been able to be generated and like you're like oh what about the all these artists are they even going to keep creating art i mean i think that industrially there is disruption that can that can occur because like you're not going to pay for expensive labor if you can just pay an ai to generate something for you but i think it actually it actually refocuses the what should be focused on on these topics, which is like, what's the human element? You know, so like mm. I had a tweet and I was like, I was like, chat GPT can replace all the A-level writers and all the B-level writers in this place, but my C-level writing, it can never touch, you know, because that's there's actually a lot of truth to that, which is that like part of 
part of the creation is to understand the human. And that's actually like the sort of, I would say that's the core, the core value proposition is to understanding the human behind the creation. Right. So, so I think in that, in that regard, I think it's actually a great thing because it makes people focus on the, the, the thing that actually matters. Yeah. Okay. We've, we've hinted at it long enough. What are your thoughts on Kanye? Kanye West. Ye. Sorry. Ye. 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 Is it ye or is it yay? Oh, yeah. Yay. I think it's yay. It's y, it's Y-E. However you want to pronounce that, I guess. I guess he would say yay. Yeah. This is not good. This is not good. He's a... He's um. I'm just going to call him Kanye because I don't give a shit about him. <laughs> uh... Kanye is like a perfect example, like a perfect case study of what the information age has the potential to do to a person, to a human psyche. And he is overwhelmed a million fold. And if Kanye had any wits about him, what he would do would he would, he would drop everything in his life and go live as a monk in like, um, Tibet. <laughs> that would be the be the last hope for him. Then how is he gonna come up with the two hundred K a month to pick him? Yeah, I know. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Well he can just go he can just be like a, a fugitive, you know, he'd be like, mm. oh, I'm yeah. totally out of the system. Two hundred K a month, man. What a what a system we live in. Yeah, that's crazy. You would think you would think that there wouldn't be much of any child support given I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but I would assume you look at like P and L's that Kim Kardashian's putting out every month, and I, I don't know. I would assume she wouldn't need an extra two hundred k. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, why? Maybe even... that was the maybe that was because you know they just came to the settlement, so maybe that was based on Kanye's income projections when he like still had all of his um deals you know with like adidas and and everyone right mm-hmm, right maybe he can go back and uh try to get it lowered because i i swear i don't think the guy has much of any income coming in right now no i would say basically none so but it's really sad i think the 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 craziest part is that um I say it's sad because I think he's extremely mentally ill right now and he's being exploited by all kinds of different types of people for different types of reasons. Some are just some are just trying to like, you know, boost their own bags through uh viewers. Um, like that guy. There was supposed to be a Twitch stream where he was gonna be on uh with some rapper on Tuesday night that apparently didn't happen. Um, but you know, that guy's just definitely just trying to pump viewership on his twitch stream um but on the other side uh people are trying to do everything they can to tie his words to you know to donald trump since they just had a dinner which dude crazy i so crazy to me how dumb trump is um and how ill-equipped his team is (laughs) that they let not just kanye i mean kanye Kanye used to be a normal figure. Now he's obviously a crazy person. 
But the fact that they let Nick Fuentes in to sit at the dinner table with Donald Trump, who has already announced his presidency. I mean, you can't, I don't think you could like write a bigger political blunder where you just hand something to the Democratic, you know, media and also and the politicians to say, here, I'm going to sit down with an open white nationalist, like neo-Nazi guy who denies the Holocaust ever happened. It's it's <clears throat> so dumb. I, I, I can't even wrap my head around how dumb it is. <laughs> so it's, it is so moronic. I mean, uh it yeah, it's I swear this is like my my thing. It's like the boomers, man, this is like testy waters. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this. It's hard to it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, okay? That's what I'll say. Yeah. And I think that we have had like a sort of infantilization of a lot of our culture where yeah. people are effectively acting like children and that's normalized and it's not okay. Well, I think the other thing in this, I think this would go easily with Trump or with Kanye. These, these people have not surrounded themselves with really anyone who is of sound mind. And so, and if they have, I think, at, at some point, they've ousted that person from their circle because, you know, they're not considered a loyalist or, you know, they don't go along with right. everything that the, the crazy person says kind of thing. <clears throat> and so they're like, you're out of here. And all they have left are yes men, like people who just say, oh, you're doing a great job no matter what the person does or says. And... It's just this echo chamber that doesn't allow for these people to ever have any, any like sound of uh, criticism for what, for their actions. Hey, by the way, too, this made me think the Twitter files. Have you, have you kept up to date with the Twitter files? Uh, I read the original thread and then I read, and then I heard about the whole debacle where the FB, the ex FBI guy who was working as a counsel for Twitter was trying to like was trying to pull out files before it was sent over to like uh the two journalists that made him look bad and then he was fired promptly by Elon. Um and then apparently we're getting we're supposed to be getting some more stuff from Barry Weiss here pretty soon. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I really enjoyed Barry Weiss's reporting. So I'll be I'll be eager to to see what she has to say. Yeah. Dude, that I mean, the whole stuff with Elon, I know you're not an Elon guy, but got to be said what Elon's doing over there right this moment with the Twitter files. Huge. Yeah, I want to go on a lot of bravery. I want to go on record and say I'm harsh on Elon, but he has done some good things. Done Mm. some good things. I mean, I I do think that um, uh, I think that what he's doing with, with all the Twitter stuff is a good thing now i'm cautiously optimistic yeah no i feel you i mean it's definitely it's gonna take it's going to take some time i mean how my brother and i were talking about it is essentially not much has changed right with twitter because people are still getting banned based on the whims of of a person right i guess at the at it used to be 
based on the whims of some number of people, but you didn't really know who those people were. Um, and it was all behind closed doors, right? Like, oh, Babylon B, you're, you're banned because you, you made a joke about a man being a man or whatever. Um, whereas now, you know exactly why a person's banned. A person's banned now because Elon Musk either doesn't like them or he just decided that they're banned, right? Or they're back on because he either decided or he ran a poll <laughs> and just did the whim of the of the poll, which has issues. Obviously, we don't know how many bots voted in the Donald Trump poll. So, um, but at least you know, right? At least you know that it's the decision is coming down from on high from Elon Musk, and he's got to live with all the consequences of all those decisions, right? So, fair. It it but it's but it's definitely similar to how it used to be. Um it's not I mean, I think the coolest thing would be make sure that everyone is a real human. They don't have to be, they can be anonymous, but make sure they're a real human. And then I think installing some kind of voting mechanism, maybe by just micropayments or something, to just allow the I guess the biggest cases on the platform. You know, if it's like someone big, like should Kanye West be um, be banned from Twitter, right? And let let the people vote using like a micropayment. And we know that they're a real person. And I don't know, let it be like a, I guess, a pure democracy on there. Mm -hmm. That'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah, it would. It'll never work, though, because, <laughs> again, I go back to global governance is effectively impossible yeah well and you and then it would be a matter of well why did we choose like who gets to choose what goes on the voting block and what gets to just some people in the back room just decide right because you can't you can't there's so many things that happen on twitter there's no way that you could bring everything to a vote right i don't think so at least yeah, no, definitely not. So, but anyways, uh, Kanye definitely just needs to get help. He needs to get out from behind microphones and cameras for a long time. And he just needs to, he really needs to get back to some roots of finding people who actually care about him, who are still trying to love him through throughout all of this. And you know, try to get some actual wisdom pumped into his head rather than whatever Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes are pumping into his head. So we we wish him the best of luck. Yes. All right. And then for another week, um, the Bitcoin price has been pretty stagnant. So we did get, oh no, I think we already talked about I think we already talked about all the stuff with the Fed. Yeah, we talked about that last week. So, yeah, we we thought we were getting a little jump in the Bitcoin price, and we went back down. And so we're still just we're staying in this in this area. That's okay though. Yeah, I, I was just to, taking. I don't. Know I was everything. taking regular Ubers in Nashville. I'll say that because it's a bear market. No, no, uh, no big S black SUVs or whatever <laughs> picking me up in. Um, in Nashville, not not yet. Yeah, so, you'll be you'll be walking if we keep raising rates. 
I might be walking. Because, <laughs> dude, those, you know, the scooters, too. The scooters are not cheap sometimes. Really? I mean, them. sometimes they just, it's, they like charge you per minute or something. And, you know, sometimes it just, you get to the end of it and you're like, dang. Scooters are dangerous, dude. I, I did the they scooters. They are dangerous. I've done the scooters a couple of times. I'm like, man, how is this allowed? Like, <laughs> I'm about to die. Dude, that that is, that's so true. The liability that those companies put up, like, there's no way they can make a profit because, I mean, I've witnessed it just just being out and about. I've I've seen twice people just absolutely eat shit on on a scooter. <laughs> they and definitely it's... cannot make money. This this is what I'm talking about. That Silicon Valley like idea of grow, grow, grow at all costs. Look, sometimes it doesn't work. Okay, and you burn a lot of money. And I guarantee you, people have died from those things too. Mm. It's not a, not a pleasant thought, but yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. Oh, easily. Because the other thing is people people feel like they can ride those when they're drunk. Like they don't feel like they can drive a car, but they're mm. like, oh, well, I'll get on a scooter, though. Like, what, am I going to get pulled over on a scooter? Which I don't know, maybe you can. But, <clears throat> I mean, definitely people have gotten hit by cars by riding a scooter. Definitely. Bird, Bird is a public company. Let's see what the stock looks like. Probably. Are you going to short it while we're on air? I mean, it's probably already shorted into the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it IPO'd. I mean, the, the 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 chart of the bird stock is the most depressing looking stock I've ever seen. So it IPO'd at twenty five dollars, twenty six. Oh no, thirty dollars. IPO'd basically at thirty dollars, and it's currently uh, at two eighty nine, <laughs> and it is literally. Just a perfect like line down. It didn't even have. It's not like it's just. Oh, it never, never recovered at all. No. Wow. That's that smart Silicon Valley money that we all know and love. Yeah. One other thing that I did want to mention that I thought about. Um, Dylan, my brother at the at the Nash Bit Devs, another huge revelation that he had was he finally understood that Bitcoin is different than all the other cryptos, mm. um, which was a beautiful thing that I was telling Raven on our walk last night. I was like, I have to remind myself that some of these things that are so like embedded in my head that I know to be true, like something like that, um, you know, for newcomers, you have to try to put yourself in their shoes and understand that, yeah, how could they know? that Bitcoin is not uh, not just the same as all the other crypto uh, cryptocurrencies. So and and that had that changed a lot of things for him. He was telling me at dinner last night. So anyways, mm -hmm. all let's say turning him on to Alex Gladstein because he's got a little bit more. Dylan has a little bit more of a left bent. Um, and so I'm telling like I've just told him like there's a there's a lot of there's pretty much things in the Bitcoin ecosystem for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And so Definitely. you just kind of have to find, Definitely. find things, but glad scene continues to, uh, he continues to impress me. So did you follow it all the, the Africa Bitcoin conference? Not really. No, I mean, I, yeah. saw I need to, on Twitter, but I need to dig into that and uh, maybe we can chat about that next, next time. Cause it looks really cool. Bullish I mean, I saw Africa, Jack, dude. Jack was there. I'm bullish on Africa. Yeah. Okay.
heard it here first. All right. Well, I'm going to call it there because I got to call, jump on a call in about 10 minutes, but glad we did it. All right. We're approaching 40 episodes, I think. Another one in the books. Yeah, that was the 38, I think. 38. Dang. We're just churning them. I love it. All right. Well, if you're out there, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. And yeah, we will talk to you all soon.